All right, good morning, everybody. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Psalm 101 and 102, that's where we'll be this morning. I'm a little, I have a little cold, so there might be some sniffling, which is kind of gross with the microphone, so I apologize <laughs> ahead of time for that. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for this morning and the opportunity to worship you in song and in prayer and in your word now. And as JC prayed, we do want to lean into this. We want to open our hearts to everything you have for us, correction, encouragement, and and the like. Um, You're a father who just longs for us to walk in your footsteps, and that's what we want to do. And so your word is that way. So we thank you for this time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple announcements before we uh, get closer. Wes uh, Bentley will be here next week to share with us on a Sunday morning, both services. And uh, I think I mentioned on Wednesday night, but I'll mention it here too. It is uh, age appropriate would probably be 12 to 13 on up because there will be talk of uh, human trafficking, things like that. Some of the ministries that they're involved with, with the cartels, against the cartels, not with, (laughs) uh, down in Central America and, and so on. And some of the things they've had to do recently and that they never expected they'd have to do. And so I just wanted to give some fair warning to that. This, since this is more of a family service, um, maybe next week, I don't know. <laughs> it's just there's no there's no way to tone it down. So um, just you know, twelve to thirteen on up would probably be okay. But um, and he's tactful about it. But I just wanted to give you that fair warning. Anyway, a wonderful ministry uh, in Africa and now all around the world. Um, and what they do is 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 amazing. So I think you'll really enjoy the time that we have with him next week. Also, the youth are having their. Do we have a flyer for that? Yeah, the team night. Uh, is coming up. That's February 26th, uh, 4 to 6.30. What will you be eating? It's a mystery dinner. So um, I don't do well with those things, so I'm really glad the, the kids are doing it. I, I need to know. I, I was up in Grinnell for a swim meet uh, this yesterday, and we went out to eat, and I had pad thai for the first time. Love the spice, hate the sugar. Did not like the sweetness of it at all, just so you know. So the mystery of pad thai is now gone. I understand what it is, and I shall not order it again. Um, there's a movie coming out called The Jesus Revolution, and I don't know that we have a... We don't have that. That's okay. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of... Well, it's more about what the Holy Spirit did back in a time when uh, Satan was very active in, in, the, in the world, um, trying to convince those that were lost and seeking and wondering where happiness and joy and truth was. They found it oftentimes in drugs. And uh, Woodstock would be just a great example of what Satan had to offer them. And um, that was not a great time. As much as it's glorified, the concert Woodstock, it was not a beautiful time. Um, the crimes that took place there and, and all were horrific. And uh, it was not what it was meant to be or what it was portray- how it's portrayed today. In the midst of that deception that Satan brought to the youth of our country and around the world, Jesus stepped in and did an amazing work. Um, through, it started with many people. It was not just with one person, but Lonnie Frisbee uh, would be the, the main preacher there. And then, of course, Chuck Smith. And then um, I believe that's 
uh, Greg Laurie in the middle there, or who represents Greg Laurie, the evangelist now. So he stepped in and did an amazing work with folks that were looking for truth and had found it in the wrong places, but God was able to step in and show them the light. And uh, it was a great movement of God in our, in our country. Now, that being said, we're always due for another uh, revolution. We're always due for another revival. And uh, it happens every day, uh, always small revivals. A revival is simply the reviving of the heart. That's all it means. Whether it's one person, as Jesus was very interested in the woman at the well or, or others that were alone, he's also interested in the 3,000, as is when Peter shared the gospel from the upper room. Many or few, we focus on the many because that's an impactful moment. I think something's happening in Kentucky right now. It's a beautiful thing to watch what God is doing there, I hope. I, I, I assume it's wonderful, and I'm praying for them down there as a revival is breaking out on campus and around. And um, I hope uh, that God continues to do works like that. I know He does. There's, they seem to be seasonal. Um, they're at His will, not ours. They're at His location, not ours. But He's looking for hearts. And um, there is a we can sense, I think, as a, as, a, as a group of people that can look with a biblical worldview at our, at our country. And a lot of things around us disgust us. A lot of things um, are bothersome to us. And we can see the evil rising um, uh, higher and higher and, and, and in more places and more influential. Uh, but it's in those times as that is being stirred up and people are gravitating towards these things for a reason. It's because they don't know who they are anymore. They don't understand their purpose. They don't have a reason. This is when God steps in and touches that group. So as a fellowship, I hope we're prepared in our hearts for God to bring into these doors the last people you'd ever think would come in these doors. And that's going to touch our hearts in a special way in the Midwest because we live here for a reason. For oftentimes that's to stay away from those coasts and those people. And I hope we're ready to be loving and accepting. I think we are. I think God's prepared us our whole ministry for moments like these that may come up. Um, but I just want to, I think it's fair warning for all of us to get our hearts right and receptive to, um, I, I, I'll, I'll, um, Adam, <laughs> I had a moment in Grinnell where I believe God showed me who may be the group. And I'm not going to, it doesn't matter. It was the person who checked us in and at all and immediately had some thoughts when the person was checking me in. And, oh boy. And as I was talking to the person and looking into their eyes, I had such a love for them. And um, that's not from me. That's from God. And so I saw them differently than their appearance. And so as I see this movie coming out, I'm like, yeah, It'd be one thing to embrace a bunch of hippies that might have no shoes on, but can we accept people with fingernail polish when they come in the door because they're just searching, they're trying to find a place. They don't know where to look. They don't know who they are. And they're little boys and little girls that got lost somewhere along the line and they need help. We don't embrace the sin by no means, but we do want to free them from it. And I hope we see people in bondage and that we have keys through the gospel of Jesus Christ, I hope our hearts are prepared for that. To let people out of the deception that God or that Satan has put them in.
And uh, it's going to be a hard thing for a lot of us, but um, we've got plenty of time maybe to get our hearts prepared and to pray our way through this and get ready for it. So I just hope we're ready. Psalm 101 is a, a psalm similar to this very thing. As the psalm of David is disgusted with sin, but not the people. And uh, he moves us through this in a beautiful way. I will sing of mercy and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. I shall not, it, it shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. He says several things that he will do and three things that he won't do. I will sing of mercy and justice. We do want that from the Lord. And we do from our own salvation, our relationship with God to sing these praises of mercy and justice. We thank God for it. I thank God for releasing me from the prison that I was in when I got saved. I thank him for uh, the work that he's done in my heart. I'm not the same person. I'm not a reformed sinner. I'm a completely set free sinner. I don't have the desires in my heart like I had before I met Jesus. I'm changed. I'm different. I'm a new creation. I'm, my heart is different. And David is singing of that mercy and that justice. He's so thankful for what God has done in his life. I'm going to sing praises to you. That's something we can do. That's something we're called to do. To sing praises to God. Um, That's part of our worship. That's part of our witness is to do these things. To withhold that is to, well, to not do the very thing you were created to do. It's important. The second thing is I will behave wisely. We do want to be wise. We want to be wise in all that we do, not just in finances and not just in business or whatever it may be that we think we need to be wise in, but to behave wise spiritually in our hearts. To be ready. If we're going to be moved by the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and minister in the Spirit, we have to be wise enough to follow the Spirit and to let Him do what He wants to do. It's a perfect way. That's what I want. That's what we all want. That's what David wants. He's concerned. I'm a king. I'm leading a nation. I need to be just. I need to be merciful. I need to behave wisely in all that I do. And he knows that that can only come from his walk with the Lord, from his relationship with God. I can't get that anyplace else. I can't have wisdom that's not from the Lord. There are wells out there, so to speak, wells of wisdom that you can draw from, from this world. That's true. It's important. Uh, But they're only worth anything if they're attached with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And uh, you need to have that mix there. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know if anybody wants to hear me blow my nose with a mic on, though. Okay, mic back on. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. That's a decision we all have to make. We have to decide not to do that. 
I think we all know what wickedness is or we have our idea of it, but are we willing to let the Holy Spirit show us other things that we set before our eyes that are not pleasing to Him, things that He doesn't approve of, things that maybe we've grown numb to or have been uh, used to. We've allowed sin to creep into our lives, shows, music, whatever it may be. We've decided um, that that's acceptable um, because we've made that, we've made ourselves the standard. And so I think it's a safe prayer for all of us in verse 3 to ask God, what are the wicked things you see in my life that you want to remove? And let God choose those things. One of the things Jenny and I were talking about after her class yesterday that she had, it was a brief conversation, but it seems like some of those are the most important ones across from the island from one another or in a hallway we stop each other and talk. And it's just one of those moments where uh, just some wisdom that we receive from the Lord. It's the, when it comes to diet or things like that, there's a lot of things we can talk about. There's a lot of things that need to be raised in our life to get a good baseline before we should start having medical attention. There's some eating things that we should change. There's some exercise we should do to get ourselves at least to a level where we're not treating things that are treatable naturally. Not that all things can be treated naturally, but we need to get up to that level. We just need to trust that. And we're like, how do you know? There's so many variables in all these things, you know. Some people don't eat and they call it an eating disorder because it hurts when they eat. Well, you're not having a eating disorder. You've got a medical condition. There's something wrong. You've got a problem with your gut health. And other people uh, are overweight because it feels better when they have more food in their stomach. Just, I feel better. I don't hurt. That's why, you know, a lot of people with ulcers will keep their stomachs full because that helps with the acid and so on. And then you go to a whole other layer, and I'm getting to a point here, of emotionalism, you know, well, now I'm not eating because I, I, don't, I feel bad about myself or I'm sad, or now I'm eating so much, I'm using it as a coping mechanism for all these things. You've got a whole other level, and I'm thinking of all these variables. I'm like, how in the world do you decipher and decode all that? Well, the scriptures tell us, and this is not just physical, but this is obviously spiritual. There's some things he calls us to do, and it's not that we can't decode everything or shouldn't decipher everything or shouldn't search or try. It's that I don't have to. I can just do what God tells me to do and trust that whatever he's prescribed for me is exactly what I need. I say that because there's certain things that he calls us to do physically and there's certain things he calls us to do spiritually. And can I, by faith, do the things he's asked me to do in in my ignorance? Or do I have to know the why? I'm not going to do what God prescribed in his word because I don't understand why he wants me to do that. It's faith. There's one of the scriptures that tells us, and I put it on Facebook this morning because it spoke so powerfully to me when I was doing it. I know the verse, and we all do, but we're to dwell on certain things, God says. I don't want you to dwell on these things. I want you to dwell on these things that are lovely. And for me, I thought, well, that's just because that's what he prefers in our mind. That's because, no, there's a whole lot going on when I'm dwelling on the things God tells me to dwell. It physically changes me. There are dopamine levels that change. There are uh, hormones that are released. There are so much happiness that comes. My body's designed not to operate in this world by itself independently, but in conjunction with the Lord. So when he tells me to dwell on the lovely things, it's not just a good idea. 
It's not just something that Christians are supposed to do. It's, it's for you and for your health, not just physically, but spiritually. It changes us. This, is a, this book is a prescription to follow. And it has to be followed, all of it. I don't think any of it's independent of itself. I don't think that you can pick and choose which portions you're going to take. I think this is the, this is the total bottle. <laughs> and we need to eat all of it all the way down to the bottom. And don't stop halfway through when you start feeling a little bit better. Maintain and continue with the prescription God's given. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Is it because that's what he prefers for us to do in our leisure time? Or is that a fix? Is that part of the conforming? Is that what changes us? Is that what begins to undo what sin has done in my life? And unravel it and untwist and open hearts. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. It's very difficult. (laughs) I get a headache when I eat sugar now. I blame my wife for that. I've talked about that. (laughs) She calls it a withdrawal. I call it just pain and suffering, unneeded, you know. It's difficult when I find myself feeling better and healthier and walking. I'm talking in the physical, but it'll translate to the spiritual. But then I... I binge on something. I'm, I'm in the car. I have my excuses. There was nothing available. I had to stop at Casey's and whatever it may be. And I grab my celebratory, uh, you know, donuts or whatever. <laughs> and I eat them and I pay dearly for it now. I wish I'd never eaten them. But at the time, it's uh, three steps forward, two steps back a lot of times with me physically. Spiritually, it's the same thing. Oh, church was amazing. Oh, I just felt so close to God. The worship was incredible. The prayer time. I've never read that before in Scripture. It's amazing. And then we put into ourselves the exact opposite of what God was putting into us at church or in our Bible study or in our quiet time. And although God's Word always accomplishes what it was set out to do, I'm certainly not helping. I'm certainly not helping. By adding to this diet that's perfect and well-balanced, something that's wicked and not for me, not designed for me. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes, David says. I need that. In order to do the walk, in order to do the behaving, in order to do the singing, these are the things I'm not going to do. I hate the work of those who fall away. I don't hate those that fall away. I hate the work of those who fall away. I hate the results. I hate the action. I hate the sin. Those who fall away from God are sad to David. It's hard to watch. I hate the destruction that comes upon people when they walk away from the Lord. They begin to do the things that Satan's convincing them to do. It's it's hard to see people suffer unneeded, unnecessarily, it seems like. David sees that. It, whatever those things are that they're doing, they're not going to cling to me. I'm not going to follow that. I find it easy to separate myself from TV shows and things like that that are obviously not for Christians to watch or songs that Christians aren't supposed to sing and so on. I find it a lot harder to walk away from a friend who's gossiping. It's it's just as wicked. It's just as detrimental to my spiritual health. And yet I find it easier to do those other things than the hard things. I don't want to make an uncomfortable situation any more uncomfortable than it is. And 
David says, I'm not going to let those things cling to me. This prayer that he's offering, this song that he's singing, is something he has to tell himself to do. God knows all these things, nor does God exp- vow away, David, but this is for you. I'm, I'm going to sing, I'm going to behave, I'm going to walk, and I'm not going to set anything, and I'm not going to let these things cling to me. I will not know wickedness. It's a decision he makes. It's a choice he's decided to do in his life. He's decided that walking with God is far more important than walking in this world. And so therefore he's spending his time, his efforts, and his energies, his eyes, his ears, his mouth will do what God wants him to do. He will bring them into submission of God. And he's not going to do the other things. Does he? Well, yeah, he does, doesn't he? But it isn't what he wants. It isn't in his heart. And he regrets every bit of the sin that he commits. He wishes he can undo it, but instead he continues to walk in the Lord. Verse 5, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. That's a very difficult verse. You have to be in the room to know about secret slander. You're part of the secret. When someone pulls you aside and says, did you hear? You've got a decision you have to make. I don't know, do I want to hear? Is this something that they should hear also at the same time you're telling me? Is this something that's just just for me to pray about? Why don't we just pray and not have to talk about the specifics of it? Because it's turning into slander, this prayer request this information that you want to share, this quiet moment between me and you that's so personal and shows you that I'm a part of your inner circle and I'm a confidant. Can I walk away from that? That's how you destroy it. You want to stop gossip? Don't give them an ear. You want to stop slander? Don't listen. Make them very uncomfortable for what they're about to say and it'll stop. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. Not going to put up with it. Not going to let these folks into my uh, inner circle, David says. I'm not going to let them rule with me, reign with me. They're not going to be my advisors. Those are the people that are going to lead me in the wrong direction. These are qualifications for someone who's going to be alongside David in his ministry. I can't have haughty looks and proud hearts. They're going to come against what God wants to do with me. It doesn't that he doesn't love them or want them saved or want them to know God better. It's that I can't do ministry the way God wants me to do ministry with that kind of heart. It's not what he's called me to do. I'm working on that myself, he would say. I'm trying not to be prideful. I'm trying not to be haughty. To bring those people into my life is just two steps back. Those things can't advance a person in my world. Those can't be qualifications. Verse 6. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land. That's who David's looking for. That they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, they shall serve me. And what he means by that, serve alongside or come into my courts. Those are the people I want to surround myself. Those that are faithful to God. Those that have been changed and transformed. Those who are walking with him. They're going to be the ones that dwell with me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. They may continue to tell lies, but they're not going to do it around him. He's in a good position. Everybody wants to be around David. He's a magnet. 
He's a power magnet. He's an influence magnet. They know anybody getting a picture taken with David, you know, is a step up in the world. So he's got some power there. A lot of us don't have that. We don't have people thronging us to be around us and to be close to us and because we're such influencers in this world. And yet we can still have a great impact when we just follow these things. Collectively as a church, if we'd all just follow these things, it's quite an impact in this world. No deceit, no lies. It's not going to happen in my presence. Now, your circle will get smaller. People want to be comfortable in their sin, and they love darkness rather than light. So the moment you start doing this in your life, please understand that, your light. You're exposing things that people don't necessarily want to expose, and it's uncomfortable to them. And they will withdraw from you to a place of darkness where they can do things that they want to do. And so expect that. Sometimes in David's relationship or his kingdom, it was just he and and the Lord. I mean, it got down to that. Most of the prophets, it was just them and the Lord. With Jesus, he had to get away (laughs) quietly to be with his father, to have some sort of fellowship that wasn't always questioned or always, he was in a constant teaching mode, you know. Sometimes it was just he and the Lord. Sometimes it will be just you and the Lord, even in your own house, maybe. That's okay. It's more important. Verse 8, early, I will destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off the evildoers from the city of the Lord. We're going to stop this. It's not going to happen anymore. This is a song. Praising the Lord. Now, this does have to do with the millennial reign of Christ, as we've been talking about these last few Psalms. Um, He is talking about a perfect heavenly kingdom where Jesus rules and reigns. But that doesn't last forever. That millennial reign is only a millennium long. It's only a thousand years. After that, everything changes. It is temporary. It is difficult to do. But if you want the things that he spoke of earlier in the first four or five verses, these are things we choose to do. And we choose them today. You have to choose them every day, every single morning. I choose this. It's important. Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Now, this is someone who's desperate. And maybe you're there this morning. Hear my prayer, O Lord. And let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I call. Answer me speedily. This person is desperate. They're broken. They have nowhere to go but to God. And they're going to pour out their heart. And, and God is able. That's a simple phrase. God is able to bear everything we can bring before him. And he wants us to. Giving God the silent treatment is is not a great way to get healed. Bring your complaints. Bring your things to the Lord. I, I would encourage you privately in your prayer closet, but bring them to God. Talk to Him. Let Him minister to you. You'll find that He does. And this is where his desperation, I need your answer now. I'm at the end. I don't know where else to go. Tomorrow is not going to happen if you don't come and answer me. For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned like a hearth. My heart is stricken and withered like grass. 
so that I forget to eat my bread. Because of the sound of my groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I'm like a pelican in the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I lie awake and I'm like a sparrow alone on the housetop. These are (laughs) apparently birds that uh, speak to his heart. He's been watching them. Just tells you where he's at. He's looking at the loneliness of the birds around him, sitting by themselves, isolated. Maybe you feel that way this morning. Please know that God wants to hear your prayer. He wants to talk to you and he wants to touch you and he wants to help you. There might not be other owls around, but there is a God who loves you and he hears your heart. My enemies reproach me all day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me, for I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath. For you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a shadow that lengthens and I wither away like grass. Now someone who has the joy of the Lord, which many of us do this morning, have been saved and set free. This is hard to hear from someone's heart. They're talking to the right person, but they haven't experienced the freedom yet. And it's hard, but it's a much needed conversation. They have to have that. Every one of us has to have these things with God. And we have to let him minister to us then. The person wouldn't ask if they didn't think God had the solution. They may even sound a little blamey as they go through this. It's you that's doing this to me. And yet, by the time they're done with this psalm, they're going to realize you're also the healer. Which doesn't make sense if you're the instrument of wrath in my life. But you, O Lord, so now he switches gears. You're the one who has wrath on me. You're the one that's thrown me away. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever. In the remembrance of your name to all generations, you will arise and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her, yes, the the set time has come. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. You can see the transition taking place here. As he goes from blaming and feeling the depression that God has put upon him, he feels. He begins to remind himself of the promises for Israel and that he will hear the prayer of the desperate and the despised and the destitute. Those are the people that rallied around David. The mighty men of David, the 300 mighty men, they were, or how many there were, I can't remember, but I think it was 300, maybe it was 200. It doesn't matter. It was those that were indebted and, and despised and had difficulties in their life. They were the ones that rallied around David. Those are the same people that come to Jesus today. Same people. The healthy rarely go seeking after salvation. I don't go to a hospital if I don't have to. If I don't feel sick, if I don't feel absolutely deathly sick, I'm not going to a hospital. I'm not going there. And as I was in my beginning statements here about what God may do in the future, that's who I'm looking for. I, he came to help those, to heal those. They're the most desperate. I'm thinking of all the people that are so desperate. Who are the hippies of this age 
Who are those that are searching and seeking after some semblance of reason and understanding and common sense? They just can't make sense of it all. And they're confused and they're lost and they're wandering and they're trying different things to try to satiate one thing. That's their need of God in their life. Their need of release from sin and shame and guilt. What do I do with all this? And they're trying all sorts of things. It's unbelievable to us, for the most part, that someone would try to change their gender. They're so, so unhappy. They're so unhappy with who they are. I hope we can see those people as repulsive and I can't understand it. We understand that. I'm with you. I don't... I don't have those feelings, but I'm also saved. The void in my heart, that empty hole that's left when God isn't present in my life has been filled by God. I'm not trying to fill it with anything else anymore. I'm satisfied. I'm satiated. I'm complete. I'm whole. They're not. They don't know what to do. And Satan is more than willing to offer them all sorts of solutions. He thinks it's fun and funny to see these things take place, to see God's creation so twisted. That is his mission is to twist and to tangle and to confuse and to hurt and to destroy. He's the father of lies. Church, this is when we step in, if we're led by the Spirit, to untwist, to bring Christ, to bring wholeness, to fill that hole to watch revival take place in people's hearts, changed and transformed. I think we're ready. Verse 18, this will be written for the generation to come. (laughs) That a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord. In Zion and Jerusalem, and I might add, Maryville in the Midwest, when the peoples are gathered together in the kingdoms to serve the Lord, he, he weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. He said, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak you will change them and they will be changed. You are the same, and your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. I think we're in the the last days. And if these aren't the last days, they may as well be. I think Jesus needs to be proclaimed even louder than we've ever proclaimed him before in our lives. We need to be more loving than we ever have been before. And I mean an agape love, not an accepting love of sin. Please don't misunderstand me this morning because there are preachers that are preaching that. Just to accept and not. No, Jesus Christ came to deliver people from that bondage, from those sins, 
The empty solution that Satan has sold them needs to be replaced and removed and given a new hope, the true salvation of Jesus Christ and not this fake that Satan is offering. I hope everybody understands me this morning. Sin is sin. It always will be sin. God changes not. But the sin that's being sold to this and bought, there is a responsibility, I understand, but it's being sold and being packaged in such a way that this is the answer, this is the solution you've always been looking for. And we are the only ones by the Holy Spirit that have the true answer. I hope we're willing to open our mouths and not let Satan have their ears all the time. That maybe we can grab their ears sometimes and tell them about the truth. Take some boldness. It'll be hard, won't it? It'll be hard to walk up to somebody that you make meme memes about and tell them about the love of Christ. But we can do it. By the power of the Spirit, we can do it. And I hope that we do. I do not want to give Satan his way in this world. He should not have the only access to the hearts of the people around us. I call for us. I hope we all look this week for people that we didn't, we never expected would come into our lives. And we pour out the love of Christ into them and show them the truth and tell them the answers. Because they're looking. They're looking. This morning we're going to have communion, which is a reminder of why we're still saved. Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and set us free. And I hope we remember that this morning, what we were set free from. And still set free from. Satan deceived me with different things in my life. And set me free from those different things. Didn't have the struggles that some people are having today. Thank you. But he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what the new lie is that Satan has given. The answer, the truth is still the same. The solution, the antidote. The medicine, the prescription, it's still Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We hold in our hands, or will be if you haven't, don't have it yet, the bread and the juice that represent the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Jesus. That for the sins of the world, He would give Himself willingly and lovingly. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. This is a joyful time. It's hard for us to receive this forgiveness. Our sins being passed on to his broken body and our sins being paid for with his shed blood instead of our own. It's a humbling time. But that is who gets to serve in God's kingdom. Or the humble. And I want to serve. So I'm willing to be brought low. I hope we all are. I'm willing to accept this forgiveness and remind myself of how I'm going to heaven and what I was set free from and the lies I believed and bought. But now I've been brought to the truth. And I pray that we would be ready for that. That we would see and open our hearts to all those who are lost and dying and are destined for destruction. That they might find a way of escape through Jesus.
One of the verses that God gave me as I was studying was, now remember, don't meditate on what you're going to answer when you get up there. And I have my notes, but if you noticed, I didn't even open my phone and use them this morning. Because I trusted that verse that he gave me. And I think it was of the Spirit. I really do. It certainly didn't come from my heart. It needs to, though. As we hold this bread and this cup in our hands, we're reminded of this. Jesus, we need to decrease and you need to increase. We need to see your mission and accept it and be a part of it, humbly, broken, saved, touched by you in our own lives, and willing to share that with those around us that are desperate, lost, and dying, and are searching for anything to fill that void and that hole in their life that can only be filled with you. So, Lord, this morning we're reminded of your broken body. That while we were enemies of yours, you died on the cross for our sins. And you shed blood. That while we were enemies of yours, you shed your blood for us on the cross. Nobody understood it at the time. You were all alone at the cross, and yet you did it. But we pray this morning that we would, as we're reminded of this, be ready. As the disciples slowly but surely waited for you in the filling of your Holy Spirit after your resurrection and your ascension. And as they were filled with your spirit, they came out and began to minister just truth, just giving out the answer. It was up to the world to accept that answer and to decide to choose that answer. It always is and it always will be. But Lord, Peter was bold enough to open his mouth and share. Peter and John and James and all those folks, Paul opened their mouths and shared the good news. Many rejected, but many were changed. And I pray that we'd always look for that and hope for that and be willing to be used by you. Lord, this morning we celebrate and thank you for our salvation, for changing us. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning who desperately needs to make you their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would pray with me right now before we take this communion. Jesus, I was lost and lonely. I was desperate I've tried everything, and nothing has helped. It only temporarily covers over the pain and the hollowness that I feel. This morning, I want to be full. I want to be changed and transformed. I want to be the person you created me to be. I believe that you are. I believe that your son died on the cross for my sins, those things that have separated me from you that make you feel so distant in my life are things that I brought on myself. I acknowledge that, that I have sin in my life, and I, I repent. I turn from it this morning. I'm sorry for the things that I thought could fill my life that were against you and hateful of you. I open my heart to everything you have for me. I receive your forgiveness this morning. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, forgiving me of my sins, making me whole and complete. And now I give you my life. I want to walk with you the rest of my life. I want, to, I want to be used by you, humble and broken. I want more people to know about this good news that I have, that I was created for a purpose. I was loved by an everlasting God, and that I was so loved that he sent his son to die for me. I want the world to know that. Lord, help me to open my mouth and share that with those around me. That they at least may have the opportunity to have the solution and to receive your forgiveness. I pray you give us eyes to see the spiritual needs around us this week. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. See. Lord, we're all broken vessels. We know that. We've been healed, though. We've been made whole. And if we break our glasses or when we break our glasses this morning, Lord, help us to remind us that there are a whole bunch of broken vessels around us that need healing from you. And help us to be a part of that. In Jesus' name, amen.